Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard. Our guest this week is Matthew Zachary. He is a healthcare advocate, a cancer survivor, who has created a bunch of material from uh, legislation to podcasts uh, to support patient advocacy. So we are going to dive into the healthcare system and how to navigate it properly, given the pandemic and all of the consequences to our long-term health from uh, from missed scans and uh, missed appointments and all that. So that's what we're diving into today. Folks, we are really excited to be back with some more episodes coming up. So stay tuned for that. But here, without further ado, my interview with Matthew Zachary. Matthew Zachary, this is your second time on our show. So thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. The bald guy so nice, you decided <laughs> to have me on twice. Well, you know, you you had John on your show and talking about, you know, his his journey with healing and with cancer and, and the healthcare system. And uh, that's sort of been your your MO to remind people, you know, you had a, you had a, a death sentence brain cancer at one point, And then uh, you, you sort of out of that have found uh, a niche of of healing and also of, of uh, navigating the very lonely world of healthcare. So uh, first of all, thanks for having our team on your show, and and secondly, we're really we're really thankful to have you back to uh, rail, rage against the machine, so to speak. Well, you John was like I don't know episode eight of my show. It was like well, who's this guy behind a microphone? And like, <laughs> we had a great time, and you know, kudos to him. I mean, he was in like peak cancer advocate mode with his book, and it was everything was blowing up. It was fantastic, and. You know, we wound up not even talking about the damn book. We just talked about music the whole time. Right. And the show was just a huge hit, you know. And um, I'm not shy that he's my music hero. And and when I was composing in the 90s, you know, I just I stole everything from him. You know, what a great artist copy, whatever it is, good mm-hmm. to steal. Such an inspiration to have on the show. And again, the common thread of cancer is like was kind of a nice to have. But, you know, I, I love the reunion we're doing now because here we are like almost – almost god like 18 20 months later and yeah the world's kind of still messed up but perhaps a little less messed up yeah i mean i think i think you know i think what people are 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 realizing is just how lonely the healthcare process can be for people especially now because there is an additional element of forced loneliness right you can't even go in with even if you have a friend that stays by you in a process of uh of a major illness you still can't uh you can't have anybody come with you you know, you're, you're, you're so, extra alone. We've been doing a lot of work on my show, and we have like seven other shows on the Oscar Media Network now. We've really mm-hmm. blossomed. Mm-hmm. And a lot, to, a lot of these conversations are kind of like anthropologic audits uh-huh. of how quarantine impacted the healthcare universe, cancer patients, rare disease patients. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> one of the ones that just happened to show up was like there was this forecast that'd be like epic divorce rates and a baby boom and neither of them happened there were more marriages and more babies it was it's bizarre that like simple things like that you never knew and now we have like a lunchables shortage because my kids were in middle school not that i feed them lunchables but there's a lunchables shortage because parents are sick and tired of making lunch when the kids are going to school and they don't want the bag lunch right the weirdest things are happening now and and I think I mean that that's the uh, Malcolm Gladwell has made a fortune by figuring out what those uh, what those unexpected correlations are, and you have this tremendous amount of 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 experience in in finding what not a lot of people realized was the case for people when they get these when they get difficult diagnoses and when they get stuck going down this this 
road that you're talking about, right? Like where, where uh, they, they're, they're isolated and lonely and unconnected in the world of, of trying to heal themselves at the same time. Well, one of the butterfly effects of COVID and healthcare was that there was no information for people who are at risk or in cancer treatment or dealing with rare disease mm -hmm. on what do we do? Is this going to kill us? I mean, we can only stay inside for so long. We have to go get, I don't know, Lunchables when they're still in stock. <laughs> right. But because there was such a lack of conversation, like none of the groups, the NCI, no one stepped up and said, we are going to report on the facts we have today to do our best to present information from the top sources of science about cancer, rare disease, and quarantine and COVID. That didn't happen. So this was just around the time that my show was getting recognized. Mm -hmm. And here I am becoming the armchair expert in, I don't know what's going on either, but I'm going to tell you what I think. Right. You know, and like, I was not, there was no fake news here. I'm like, well, maybe you should go for that colonoscopy, but like, don't get COVID or maybe you should <laughs> postpone it and just be aware that you should check your stool more often. Like, these little hints from Heloise became like my show in the spring and summer of 2020. And people just turned to me being this this idiot, you know, trying to react to things because I was saying the things that were in their head. Right. We don't know what's the least stupid thing we could think about to get through with this. And 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 how did you? I mean, how did you sort of find a vein of of navigating it? Because again, even the even the doctors that I'm sure that were telling you you need to come in were were not sure if it was right for you to come in. Right, and we're actually producing a series now that's called The Big Screen, and it is a basically three-part micro-series on cancer screenings, how COVID screwed them up, and how we're going to do our best to get out of the, the spin that it caused. And we're expecting like another quarter million people to die of cancer in the next five years because of the, lacks, because of the lack of screening access during the pandemic. That's horrible. Horrible. So with that knowledge, is there anything we can do to help mitigate those gaps in screenings by encouraging people who didn't to just go twice? Like, we, we have no idea. So that series explores the impact of the pandemic and quarantine on the most vulnerable populations. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can think about people that were that hit milestone birthdays where they're supposed to be getting checked for certain things. If you think about... Uh, people that were maybe in remission that needed to have follow-up screenings and maybe missed uh, the re uh, a recurrence of something. I mean, you're talking about th those those littles, those six months or even a year really add up to in, in that in that world. And there's a reason why we have the, the screenings that we do. What what uh, even now? What do you recommend that people start to do to to navigate that? I mean, you 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 sort of uh, jokingly mentioned going twice, but. <laughs> what what are we supposed to do if we've if we've hit a milestone and we haven't gotten our screens? Doctor Matt's top prescription is to delete Facebook. <laughs> I agree, hundred percent. How great the 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 day that it was down was one of the best, most productive days I, I've ever experienced. I know a lot of people use WhatsApp to communicate across the globe and and um, uh, for education, all kinds of stuff. But but the day that Facebook died was was a good day. It, it was very Don McLean, wasn't it? 
There's got to be someone's got to be writing a new song the day that Facebook died. Someone please write that song. Ask John to write that song. Drove, He's got to be able to write that song in like 30 seconds. Drove my phone to the Wi-Fi, but the Wi-Fi was gone. <laughs> exactly. Um, the hotspot. I don't know. We can make up. Some, there's boy, a desperate need to write that song. Weird Al is somewhere right now working yes. on the day that Facebook died. Uh, but but no, I I mean like what. what I think there's people that are really scared right now, right? And that are, that have been isolated. Maybe they don't have family that lives with them and they and they have not gotten the follow-up care or they haven't gotten the initial screens that they're supposed to get. Like, I, 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 what do you say to those people? How do you begin to, uh, to, to, to get back on track with the regular healthcare screenings and, and the stuff that we need? I mean, it's, it's not as simple as, but it is as simple as regaining trust in the science in the data and in the capacity you may now have to access healthcare that you couldn't have before and to, it's just easy to say this, but it's more impossible to enact than possible, uh, to just be a little more aware that you did miss these opportunities if you aren't aware of that. There are probably higher priorities in your life now because of quarantine and because like your family, mm -hmm. your mental health, we are living in an age now where we're auditing the anthropologic and cultural impact of this, more suicide, more depression, more anxiety. We don't yet know if smoking increased or decreased or alcohol consumption or drug abuse increased or decreased. They're really working on that. Mm -hmm. And we have to get that preliminary data from these organizations and these statistical companies to even figure out what is the message, at least to the American public, around you missed this, that's not good, or there. that's an entirely other conversation as well. Uh, I mean, let's, uh, yeah, yeah. I, and and, and it, it's going to have ripple effects for, like to your point uh, uh, earlier, it's going to have ripple effects uh, for years in the number of deaths that, that occur um, from, from, from the, these, these diseases that need to be caught early. Right, and like the CDC, the NCI, which is the National Cancer Institute, uh, a whole bunch of other wonderful organizations are trying to really study what type of public health initiatives need to happen to mitigate the forecasting about these increased deaths in three to five years. Right, right. I mean, are we going to have a cancer panic? Is that? I mean, are we going to have all of a sudden everybody's going to have an equal amount of fear of 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 those preventable illnesses? I mean, I I, I don't. It's sort of a it's a scary place for us to live in is this idea, this, this impending death wave. But again, you said you don't have, uh, you don't have the data on that. How, how do we start to get control and how do we start to get connected to the people that we need in order to, in order to make it through this? I think it's creating trust in patient leaders in, in advocates that, I mean, in my case and some of the other colleagues in my space are sort of entertaining journalists and we can help, control the narrative in a very positive way where people look to us to basically distill the jargon and the syllables and all that stuff and, and, and ideally help course correct and amend behavior and reduce risk and, and regain trust in the fact that it's okay. And there are numerous efforts going on around the country to, again, like the government moves a lot slower than the private sector mm -hmm. and the private sector tends to move pretty slow too. But there are going to be significant public health efforts in the coming years to look at that gap 
mm-hmm. that sort of tsunami that's on the way, like like the the shoreline pulled out 100 miles, and you know the wave is coming. What can we do to prepare the coastline? I, that was a good metaphor. Yes. What can we do to prepare the coastline, knowing the wave is coming? I mean, it extends the levy metaphor from the day that Facebook died. So we got that going for us. Um, Dude, yes. <laughs> the, uh, so today, it drove my Tesla to the recharging station, but <laughs> there was no electricity. Um, the, uh, you're, you're talking about you know a, a need to sort of codify information and process a lot of information. Uh, most people tell you that there's, you, you can find an equal number of uh, bits of, of data points for conflicting points of view. So how do you, as a layperson... Um, and you're a very smart layperson, but how do you, as a person without a medical degree, navigate that that uh, line of knowing what's what what's true and what's not, and 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 getting to what the accurate science is? Well, I, I've been broadcasting and building communities for almost 15 years in healthcare, so I, I am very privileged to have a level of cachet. But I'm the first person to say I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just, the name of my show, might as well, I have no idea. Could also be the name of my, my podcast instead of Out of Patience. <laughs> and I, I don't mind being that armchair guy and convening experts that I believe can contribute to a disciplined, organized, productive, and trustworthy conversation. And it's that convening that is totally missing in the biased universe of media, but I'm not going to go and down that rabbit hole, the government sucks at speaking human to the public. Yeah. And this whole, well, we wear masks now, we don't wear them then. Science is in fact. Science is knowledge of the moment. And that's hard for people to understand. Mm-hmm. Science is allowed. When I grew up in the Channel Maya, get off my lawn guy now. Dinosaurs were killed by the Ice Age. Okay? That was fact. That was just the way it was. And then, mm-hmm. oh, oh, no, it was a meteor. Oh, got it. Screw the Ice Age. It never happened. It's a meteor. Or, you know, there are only 76 elements in the periodic table. Now there's like 4 billion of them, right? Science is knowledge of the moment. It's a moving target. And trying to figure out the best way to distill the moving target in a way that speaks human and not government and not doctor and not scientist has been the biggest challenge. There's no babble fish from healthcare to human being. But you know, to your point, right? Like you're, you're talking about how again, science is a moving target. It is the information that now. I think these are great things to hold on to to sort of remind ourselves that hey, uh, what what we know in the moment is based on the preponderance of data that we have right now, and and the responsibility of science is to continue to investigate and figure out if we have new evidence. I get that. But I've also heard doctors say you can't really give informed consent if you don't have a medical degree because you can't be fully informed unless you, unless you do that. So what are we supposed to do? Do we just find people that we trust? And then how, what's the rubric for finding those people? How do we begin to evaluate this information? Because to your point, uh, you know, it is, it's a difficult moving target. And people run and, on social media with, with whatever narrative best suits uh, the confirmation bias. Yeah, you stole the two words out of my mouth. Like, we are living in an age where confirmation bias is the new opiate of the masses. Sure. And, you know, just to quote whoever said that at some point, <laughs> what game was the opiate of the masses? And it, it's hard to 
turn out of that spin. You got to fight the fights you can win. And we're living in a country that might as well be two separate countries at this point. I'd like to believe most people bell curve are kind of in the middle and reasonable and rational. And Mm -hmm. the average human being is a decent functioning, productive member of society that just wants to live their life and do good things and Mm -hmm. feel happy about themselves. And misery loves confirmation bias, right? So how do you manifest better trust through, I would almost say, the right kind of media. And I, I'm not claiming that podcasting or radio is the right kind of media, but there are certain figures that have done terrible things and yet have done very righteous things using the power of radio and mass media. The effort <laughs> to get the right listeners to hear the right people is the biggest challenge for the mm-hmm. next decade, I think. Well, I think that, but I think what you, you hit on something there, right? I think a lot of people that are producing media, they are producing it for uh, increasingly smaller niches. So you you produce media for for your own echo chamber. You're, nobody's getting convinced of anything. They're just getting to what we're talking about now. They're getting reconfirmed uh, what they already thought going into it. And if they start to hear stuff they don't like, they switch. I think there's one universal narrative that everyone i mean i can't imagine anyone not nodding their heads to this mm-hmm. no one should go broke from health care yeah if if you're saying no just take a long walk off a short pier but if you're saying yes no one should go broke from health care that's kind of a universal calling card sure to get involved in narrative that you trust and it's not the pharma lobby it's not the policy arm it's normal human beings who are just as pissed as you, but can convene and put together cohort conversations that you enjoy listening to, even though you hate the fact that you have to listen to them. Okay, but I mean, but I, I, but you're talking about people that are already experiencing the blunt end of a difficult of a difficult space, right? This idea that nobody should go broke from healthcare from from getting sick. I, I mean, most people agree with that. I see all of these, you know, heartwarming stories about people raising money on GoFundMe for their healthcare operations. And I'm thinking that is such a dystopian narrative. Like, yes, it's great that these people got help. But the fact that that's that that's, you know, that's where we're at is actually really scary to me and even and, and almost sadder. Um, the wh- I don't have how- the numbers on that, but GoFundMe is the number one source of. Healthcare bailout. I've heard that. American. I've heard that it's that because of what they do, it's essentially the number one uh, healthcare insurance provider. Yeah, it's uh, in, in total horrible. dollars. Yeah, um, terrible. Which is which is sad and scary. And like, while it's great that people out of the goodness of their heart are helping bail people out, that's not a sustainable model. That's not something that that and 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 also it's you know I think the problem is that we don't start to ask these questions about how we should be doing this and 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 where the community would be until we're sick and at our wit's end and in that point it's an emergency and then you're taking any help you can get and you're grasping at straws um, and what I would like to see happen is for us to find a way to navigate the system uh, or, or to change the system if we have to uh, before before it's an emergency. Um, before we're at the place where we're we're looking death in the fa- in the eye, and our 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 doctors telling us to get our affairs in order. Yeah, there's a lot to react to to that honesty and that truth. 
someone once recently said to me, I, I'm going to botch it, but it's something like that. No one believes the sky is falling until it crushes them. Right. And is it even worth the effort to go after the people that don't believe the sky is falling? And is it unfair to only go after the people who have been crushed by the sky? Mm -hmm. And that's typically how advocacy works. Unless you've been crushed by the sky, you then want to make sure no one else gets crushed by the sky. But if you've never been crushed by the sky, why would you care about that? And it's a very raw take on basic sort of human interaction and, mm -hmm. and instinctual ways that we are we are animal creatures and how we tribalize ourselves based on what our influences are. I mean, we're getting way, way deep into some like guns, germs, and steel kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. That's a great book for listeners to check out. But we're already looking at like more than a half of the country has been screwed by healthcare, whether it's cancer or rare disease or employer reimbursements or Medicare. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like there's a lot of stuff that everyone's really angry at, and they don't believe. And this is just my my thoughts based on being in this space for a long time. The average American voter doesn't believe they have the power to change any of it. Mm -hmm. And we've just been complaining about it for 50 years. Sure. This is where I would like to believe there's a new movement coming. And this is based on one of the things we're going to talk about, which is I've recently put together with Offscript Media, this, this podcast network I built, a brand new documentary series, an audio series. It's a history series. And I did it for many reasons. It's called The Cancer Mavericks, the least of which reason being it's the 50th anniversary of when Richard Nixon signed the National Cancer Act of 1971. And you only get one chance for 50 years. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to tell the story of the human beings, not the cancer, not the disease, not the drugs, not the treatments, not the therapy, none of it. I wanted to tell the story of the human beings no one's ever heard of that just changed the whole country. Mm-hmm over the course of the last 50 years. I mean, there are many of them, but as we go through the episodes, it's it's thematic, it's chronologic, and it's eye-opening to the extent that many of the issues we have today, and this is tongue-in-cheek, are a lot better than the issues we had 20 years ago when everyone kind of just died of everything. Right. So <laughs> we're now we're looking at all these good problems to have, in a sense. But I say that because it took that Margaret Mead philosophy, a small group of angry citizens, or what I'm botching that too, you know, to change the world. We've had our Margaret Mead moments in healthcare with really angry people doing incredibly extraordinary things for good in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, sure. the 90s, and the early 2000s. Healthcare has gone soft. There has not been a citizen uprising in healthcare in a very long time. The closest we came was ACA when Obama passed, you know, I hate calling it Obamacare because that's what it is in parlance. Mm -hmm. But when the American, sorry, but when the Affordable, Affordable Care, Care Act, Act passed, that wasn't done by angry people. That was just done because it was a tax break and it helped the insurance companies and it was good for the economy. Mm -hmm. You know, one could look at the over-under on that, but there hasn't been a new movement to demand what was demanded in the past, but today's version of that demand sure. of the American citizen. So, That's where we're landing now. So are you the Upton Sinclair, uh, to extend again another metaphor? Uh, are you going? Are you the person that's going to write uh, the, the meatpacking book 
for the for the the you know the jungle version uh, for healthcare. Like, I mean, because you need you need those anecdotes that get people angry. You need those things that make people realize just how bad the conditions are for us to begin to overdo it. And to your point earlier, you know, the private healthcare system, the job-based healthcare system uh, for payment uh, is flawed in that if you have a big pandemic, people start losing their jobs. And then all of a sudden, you, when you need the most healthcare, you have the least provided. And then Medicare has all sorts of problems. So that, you know, fully government funded, is that is that the answer? That doesn't seem to be the answer either. Uh, where, where do we where do we go? And what is the revolution? Yeah, I mean, you're you're really getting into like like massive public health policy. I know, I know, that's not where you Paul live. Paul Krugman but, stuff, like yeah. it, it's it's you know Nate Silver kind of stuff, and Andy Slavitt. I mean, this this crazy smart people trying to complain about this and Richard Reich and everything. Mm-hmm. But for for me, none of that matters because these are wonky political talking heads that are accurate, but they don't speak person. They don't right. start movements. You they live don't, this. Yes, yes. I mean, I think Andy's been affected by cancer himself. He's a great guy. I mean, he pretty much steered the pandemic, um, you know, in a really good way. And he's a data guy. But and he, he ran like CMS. He understands Medicare, Medicaid mm-hmm. services. It's a hot mess, like the VA and like anything else. But going back to what I personally gained by producing the Cancer Mavericks documentary, which is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen to We'll put podcasts. a link to offscript.com where you can find a list of all of Matthew's podcasts, uh, including, yep. including Cancer Mavericks, which we all should listen to. Yeah, the big takeaway for me, and I mean, I'm blown away that hey, we, we, we did it, and, but the lesson is that we have to get angry again for the right reasons in healthcare, and there isn't a space right now for that new movement mm-hmm. to exist, and that is what my new hill to die on is, is to foment the 2020 decade of the next healthcare movement uprising. Uh, I I hear you. I want it. I'm I'm I have I have been uh, not affected in the same way at all that you have. But I'm angry whenever I hear about people going going broke from healthcare and having to use GoFundMe. I just feel like all, a lot of the angry people are angry for different reasons and and shooting in different directions. And the people that benefit from that are the people that are currently benefiting from the flawed system. You know these yes. large pharmaceutical and healthcare companies that slowly and and more and more decrease the quality of care increase the costs and and make it you know make this system almost innavigable all right i'm gonna blow your mind Gib. the system isn't broken ask me how how <laughs> i feel like i'm the guy with the pin at the picnic ask me how yeah because it's working exactly as designed fair fair that's a mind blow for lots of people it isn't broken it's working the way that Kaiser Permanente built it with Nixon in the 70s. And if you watch Sicko, which, you know, take your Michael Moore in small doses, there is an actual fantastic part of that movie at the onset about how today's modern healthcare system with the PPOs and the HMOs, how that got started in the 70s, was the brainchild of industry and government, and it didn't serve the needs of the American people. That's where it all started. And it's not about unraveling that. You can't unravel that. And I'm never going to even proffer up that it's possible to unravel that. The only thing that's ever changed anything are activists forcing policy and voting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, give us some 
some semblance of hope. I know that you I know that you want to advocate for for patients out there. I know that that's that's the niche of uh of of your network of shows again offscriptmedia.com or offscript.com you can find the link in the show notes to find all of the podcasts but but how do we you know as we're being more and more people are going to be affected to your point earlier uh in this next year uh in these next five years more and more people are going to be getting the blunt end of this system that you say designed is working as designed uh how do we begin to find a sliver of hope before it becomes an emergency so a good example of where I'd like to see the country rallying around, and again, like sky's falling on you either way, there's enough people that can be introduced to and guided to get behind a brand new idea in policy. And whether or not this passes or not, I think it's a cultural statement. It's the start of the next 10 years of citizen advocacy mm. for healthcare. It's called the Cancer Patient Equity Act of 2021, HR 5377. We could also put a link in the description to this. Yep. It is basically a call to action to mandate covered access to genetic testing, regardless of race, creed, color, uh, socioeconomic status, employer benefit, and to encourage people to have this toolkit about molecular diagnostics and to never be turned away from a clinical trial. Uh, and that sounds really nice, but the opportunity to take all those costs and access away from American citizens entering, mm -hmm. again, the sky hasn't fallen on them yet. It's for those people. Mm -hmm. like when the sky is actually starting to fall on you, mm -hmm. it'll fall on you less and cost you less and actually save the economy money. Right. So I would. this is something that I'm throwing my hat in full, full, full whole hog for the next— God knows how many years it'll take to get this passed through some porky omnibus spending package. But the Cancer Patient Equity Act 2021, Offscript Media is wrapping its entire head to the millions of people who listen to our shows and series. This is what we're getting behind. And I believe that this could be the start of a massive social movement for healthcare justice in this country. Uh, I mean, I'd love to see that happen. I'd love to see us begin to... Uh, remove. I, I, I'm not saying that people shouldn't make money off of healthcare, but remove the obscene profits that ultimately hurt patient care, and that's that's where we gotta we gotta get to. Is where and and to your point, it saves the overall economy money when when you can when you can do this properly. You know, prevent an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. If we can begin to prevent some of these preventable diseases, if we can get people access to healthcare as early and as cheaply as possible, everyone's going to save money in the long run. I feel like we should start a band called Prevent Prevention. <laughs> Why? And that band will write the day that Facebook died. There, there it goes. Come full circle. <laughs> Matthew Zachary, uh, we're going to wrap this up. If you guys want to go uh, and listen to the myriad of shows about these topics from Cancer Mavericks to the, to the flagship Out of Patients, uh, you can go to offscript.com or you can just get them wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you Like you said, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever, Google Play, they're everywhere. Uh, Matthew, aside from listening to the shows and going to offscript.com, where can people follow up with you? Uh, I live on LinkedIn. I know that's not for everybody, but I love LinkedIn. Uh, Twitter is just kind of for maybe guilty pleasures and doom scrolling for therapy. But I'm on LinkedIn. I'm, I think I'm the only Matthew Zachary on LinkedIn, which is interesting. But I'm the, 
I'm at Matthew Zuckery on Twitter. Okay, I'll put a link to your LinkedIn and your Twitter in the show notes along with the offscript.com uh, uh, link. One last question. I ask it to everybody. What is one thing we can all start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better? I already said it. Delete Facebook. Man, if that's not the truth, I, I, I got to say, I agree. And you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's true. It's, a, it, you know, the, the, the echo chamber. guilty pleasure. Yeah. Matthew Zachary, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, we really appreciate it. Gib, thank you again. Take care. That's it for our show today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. It helps us out a lot. Also, uh, you can follow up with me. I'm Gib Gerard. You can find me at Facebook.com slash Gib Gerard, at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and folks, try to reach out. I, I respond to almost every DM I get about the show, every mention of the show, because ultimately I do this show for you guys. So thank you so much for listening.